gotta leave your money Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Uh, today we're talking about a, an exciting topic. We're going to try to make it exciting as best we can, uh, Sil and I. Uh, the strength of the dollar. Um, we realize that this is not something that people generally wake up in the morning and, and think to themselves, wow, I really wish I listened to a podcast about the strength of the dollar, but here we go. It's important because of the, uh, I would say the events within the last, what, month slash year to date, right? So is that kind of a fair way of, of, yeah. of defining it? Sure. Um, I think ultimately uh, we, we try to come up with, topics that are timely. Uh, and unfortunately, in some cases, we don't get to choose uh, how exciting those topics are, but it doesn't mean that they don't have a, a large impact on um, the economic decisions and the events that are happening, you know, right now. Yeah. And so I think that um, in, in the in the, uh, the slippery slope that is uh, getting lost in the weeds of a topic like the strength of the dollar, we're going to try to keep it higher level and try to keep it a little bit more uh, pragmatic in terms of what it means for corporations, i.e. what it means for the markets, uh, and less about a you know, theoretical discussion of is a strong dollar you know, better than a weak dollar. Um, I'll, I'll first start by saying that for those that, that are not... Um, you know, familiar with this topic, um, there's not a, there's no such thing as a one is good and one is bad. Sure. Right. Is, is that a fair statement? So I good, think it's very fair. There's pros and cons to, you know, either scenarios really. Yeah. A strong dollar has good and bad. A weak dollar mm -hmm. has good and bad. Ultimately, I think what we want to talk about is, uh, you know, what are those goods and bads, right? Sure. And then, and kind of why is the dollar strengthening the way it is right now? Yeah. And, and ultimately, what impact does that have for people on portfolios? And that's been one of the, the great stories of this year so far, right? So there's a lot happening in, in the world and a lot happening in markets. And really, the, the strength of the U.S. dollar uh, has been one of those great stories. And when we talk about the strength of the U.S. dollar, we compare it to other currencies from around the world, right? So in particular, other um, uh, developed market currencies like the yen, the euro, the British pounds, Swiss franc, Swedish kroner. Um, and if you compare the conversion rate now compared to what it was even, you know, at the beginning of the year, right? the dollar is about 15% stronger than it was then. So really, it's been one of the uh, the great success stories as far as uh, of uh, as positive returns this year um, has been just that strength in the U.S. dollar versus other um, developed market currencies. Yeah, let's talk about that just for a second, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I want to not try to be elementary about it, but at the same time, make sure that we don't lose people in the first five minutes, right? So when we talk about the strength of the dollar, right, it's a comparison. It's a comparison. That, that's what we're talking mm -hmm. about. And we're using the U.S. dollar as the kind of the base currency. Correct. And that's not because we're, you know, egomaniac Americans. That's because the world has, <laughs> has, has, has kind of looked at it and said, we're going to use the U.S. dollar as the uh, kind of the measuring stick, mm -hmm. right? And so then yeah. it's kind of what does the pound, what is the pound doing against the dollar? What is the pound doing against, or excuse me, the, you know, the, the euro doing against the dollar. However, if we get 
deeper into the weeds, which we promise we won't, there are other comparisons, right? I mean, you, you, you can just as easily compare what is the pound doing to the euro or the pound to the yen, right? So, I mean, we yes. can go down those paths, but mm-hmm. primarily people stay within the, you know, what is the U.S. dollar doing in relation to dot, dot, dot. And you're right. The U.S. dollar is a standard. It's a measuring stick. And we can talk a little bit about what's why that is and what that means in, 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 in practice. But it's the most important currency in the world, right? Simply right. put. Not just because we're being patriotic or whatever. It's just, it, it is a fact, right? right? And you can ask someone in any country around the world, what is the most um, important currency for the economy as a whole? Uh, and it's the US dollar. The US dollar is, and it's a big part of why it's so strong right now, is because the US dollar is the world's reserve currency. It really is a standard not just for you and I, you know, trading in goods and services every day because we live in the U.S., but it's also a standard um, in commodities trading, for example, around the world. So a right. lot of raw materials are uh, exchanged using U.S. dollars, even outside the U.S. So yeah, let's let's draw that back. Let me ju- jump in just for a second. Take lumber, right? Because mm-hmm. I think everybody has a, has a pretty good feel for the housing market and how crazy that's been over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, right? And, and, and a lot of that um, is driven by the cost to build a new home, mm-hmm. right? And so we then, then that bleeds into the commodities market because we're using lumber as an example sure. to build homes. So therefore, the cost of lumber... Therefore, the strength of the dollar to buy that lumber, right? Right. That all kind of plays into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, in the same way that you can compare the price of the dollar to the price of the euro, uh, you could compare the price of the dollar to the price of oil or lumber or any commodities, and and that's right. a, another ratio, really. Uh, ultimately, these things are all just just ratios, just comparisons. And so the dollar, but the, the, the role of the dollar internationally is not just limited to commodities trading. It's also um, the standard in capital markets, right? So there's uh, a lot of international uh, issuers of bonds, of debt, um, that use the dollar to borrow. So people outside the U.S. borrow money in dollars, right? So that's true of governments, in particular emerging markets, but not only. And that's true of foreign corporations as well. Um, the dollar is also a the standard when it comes to foreign currency reserves by central banks around the world, for example, right? So if a central bank uh, in an emerging market country, for example, wants to be uh, to project financial strength and stability, it will diversify its currency reserves. So it will hold not just local currency, but other currencies as well. And uh, as they are trying to do that, the dollar is really uh, a pretty significant factor as they try to secure their financial situation. Sure. So um, the dollar is more than just you know our domestic currency sure. as Americans. There's the role that it plays. The role that it plays yeah, right. in the global financial system. Yep. So just recently, um, Microsoft to kind of, again, drive this into a more kind of pragmatic area so that uh, uh, people have a better understanding of what this means for them in their portfolio. So more, uh, Microsoft just uh, downgraded some forward-looking projections uh, and they did that because one of the reasons why they did that was the strength of the dollar, mm-hmm. right? And and so uh, obviously that is a multi, you know, national, global right. Yeah. corporation, right? So help 
the listeners understand why that relationship between yeah. strong dollar and Microsoft looking at that going, ah, shoot. Okay. Now we got a downgrade yeah. because of this. You know, why is that? Yeah. And so going back to your point earlier about the strong dollar being good and bad, uh, one of the ways that it's bad is that it makes products denominated in dollars more expensive for the rest of the world. Sure. So, an, somebody buying an iPhone, for example, or or you know, a, a Microsoft product to stay on that same theme. Yeah. Uh, in in uh, wherever, pick the country. You know, in in Scotland. Yeah. Right, they're going to pay theoretically, not theoretically, but you know, actuality, mm-hmm. they're going to pay yeah. more for that exactly today than they would have a year ago. Exactly. And so it's a, it's a real problem if you're trying to export goods. Right. So it makes your exports less competitive. Gotcha. Right. So, and Microsoft's just one example, but really any company, even a small company, sure, that is trying to sell goods or services outside the US would find themselves potentially all else equal, would find themselves less competitive. Sure. Because of the strengthening currency. And likely have lower profits over that period of time as a result. As a result of reduced overseas sales, for example, business loss to competitors in potentially countries that have weaker currencies. Sure, sure. Uh, But to that same uh, idea, Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't have as big of an impact then on... um, kind of US centric companies. So companies that that only operate in the United States, the stronger dollar is not going to have as much of an impact on that. It's not going to have as much of an impact. There's always a a knock on effect, you know, in different parts of the economy. So indirectly, you could still be impacted. Sure. uh, sure. But it doesn't have as direct an impact. Sure. Um, What does it mean uh, more in a a, uh, um, kind of less portfolio driven and more kind of lifestyle scenario. What does it mean for people traveling? It's great. <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're American traveling, uh, it's awesome. You know, your global purchasing power yeah. has gone up tremendously. Right. right. And so uh, if you're going to plan a trip to Europe. Yeah. Go crazy. Go right now. <laughs> it's gotten a bit cheaper. Uh, and sure. yeah, look, and, and it's not always a kind of, it, you don't always get to realize all the gains yeah. because you know, at, there's always other things like, for example, a weaker currency might have implications in terms of higher inflation and things like that. So you might you might get to find that maybe the, the currency has weakened five percent, but you know uh, prices have gone up two percent or something like that. So it's sure. it's right. never right. Um, you know a dollar for dollar gain or euro for euro gain. It's always a bit more nuanced than that. Right. But in general, yeah, you're you're right. It's uh, one of the benefits is that it increases. Um, U.S. consumers or investors, uh, it increases their global purchasing power. So, and likewise, going back to your company, uh, corporate example, um, it hurts you if you're trying to export. But if you're trying to import, um, you know, it's it's an advantage for you. Yeah. Right. Right. So, in again, going back to the Microsoft example, if if you know, take for example, uh, uh, commodities that Microsoft needs to build its products, mm-hmm. right? That they get from overseas. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's going to help them in that scenario. So if exactly. you're buying X commodity, they're going to. Yeah. It's a better scenario from there, mm-hmm. but f- but selling the final product overseas when they're done building it, 
is now going to be a negative. A- exactly. Yeah. And so that's why it's going to impact different companies differently because they are all getting different goods from different places right. and then selling them in different places. Right. So it, I had a conversation with a friend of the, of the firm a couple of days ago in, in anticipation of this podcast. Uh, and uh, the, the, the thought was, um, you know, the strengthening of the dollar, is that a, 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 uh, is that because of the dollar itself or is that because of how poorly all of the other currencies in the, in the world that it gets compared to not all of them, yeah. but, but a lot of the bigger ones, the developed ones as, as you're suggesting, yeah. is that, is that an indication of their weakening, thus strengthening the dollar, or is that an indication of the, the dollar more or less kind of did this on its own, if you will? Right? Well, I mean, it, it depends on your perspective, right? right. Um, uh, all currencies, you know, if we think about it, if we put our investment hat on here, all currencies are pretty bad investments really in and of themselves. Sure. So, I mean, all, all currencies uh, tend to do a pretty poor job at uh, being stores of value. Sure. And, you know, they tend to depreciate over time and they get inflated away. So in, in some ways we can measure currencies against each other. Right. Um, is one, in, you know, fundamentally more sound than the other? And is one really that awesome that, you know, you need to put all your savings in it. Right. Probably not. Right. Right. So it's really, uh, it's really a question of, you know, what you're measuring the dollar against. And, yep. uh, in this case, we're measuring it against other economies that, you know, I've gone through the same challenges yep. as, you know, the U S has and, and, and have followed the same generally the same very similar type of paths in terms of their central bank policies and their interest rate policies and things like that so in some ways they're all equally bad um and the dollars uh, is maybe a little bit better but what's really interesting is that it really is better just because of its reserve currency status because right exactly just because the fact that it is blessed with that exactly distinction because it's special exactly if you looked at because normally if you want to assess the strength of a currency and how attractive it is right you would look at measures like a country's trade balance so the ratio of how much is that country exporting versus what it's importing for the reasons we just talked about yeah so you would you would say okay is this a country that consumes more from abroad right than it is it is exporting yep you know if you're if you're a country that you know sells a lot of good exports a lot of right. a lot of goods export maybe more than you actually consume from yep. abroad maybe you'll have a, a great trade surplus sure that's in principle that's great for your currency because effectively you're accumulating wealth right um and that just there's a bunch of positive things um as a result of that Right. Um, you would look at measures like uh, the, the uh, current account balance, which is effectively just your your trade balance plus a few other items such as dividends you receive from overseas. You would look at um, your net investment income position. Uh, so it is, and that is the ratio of the amount of assets that of foreign assets that a country owns, that is owned by corporations, the government, and individuals, um, as a percent, uh, and compare that to um, the amount of 
assets that foreigners own in your country. Sure. And that would be sure. a calculation of your net investment position. You right. would look at the fiscal uh, health of a country, right? Right. Um, if you look at all those metrics for the US, they're not good. Sure. <laughs> they're actually pretty terrible, um, <laughs> simply put, right? So especially if you look at the trade balance, uh, you know, we've got one of the worst trade balance uh, in the world, uh, not necessarily in terms of percentage of GDP, but just in, in absolute terms. And that's because we consume a lot of products. We, that are not made here. No, we buy a bunch of products from China and from other places. Right. Uh, and we buy a lot more from abroad than you right. know, foreign countries buy from us. So let's, let's turn for just a second. And this is, this is your fault, not mine, because you went down this path. So we're going to go down this path. <laughs> let's talk about the euro, right? Yeah. Because um, I, I think that the euro is, is, a, is an interesting talking point, and, and we'll finish on this. Um, kind of dovetailing on what you said before, right? Yeah. So typically, uh, if I can make a generalization, the Northern European countries make more things, right, than mm -hmm. do the Southern European countries. Yeah. Right. Is that a fair, fair assessment? Sure. The Nordic countries in that they tend to, they make planes and automobiles and a lot, you know, Germany yeah. and things, right? They, they, right. they make things, right? Italy and Greece and some of the other Southern European countries don't make as many things. Mm -hmm. That's just the nature of what it is. They yeah. rely more on tourism and, and, you know, kind of consumption of, of, of kind of their, their history and what they have as opposed right. to their products that they make. Sure. Right. And so with that being the backdrop, right. The, the idea of the Euro had a lot of, of benefits. And I still remember uh, when the Euro was introduced in 1994, so no, 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 excuse me, 90, like 96, 97, yeah, somewhere late, in there. Late 90s, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, and the idea that, that okay, this is going to be great and people are going to be able to, you know, go from train stop to train stop and not have to yeah. convert money and do sure. all, all, the, all the things, right? But you and I had a conversation about why this might not be as good, especially going through 0809 and mm -hmm. through some of the ugly times, all being tied together, right? doesn't necessarily always produce positive results. It's a challenge for the EU because they have very different economies, as you right. pointed out. And so, and this is an important point, is going back to the example about exporting goods. Right. Uh, it's easier if your currency is weak, right? right? So weakening a currency is actually a competitive advantage and and a, and a, go, a government actively trying to do that right yeah through monetary policy mm -hmm. and things like that right so the government has the ability to absolutely to turn and, that dial a little bit and it's not just hypothetical they do it all the time right uh, so government right. central banks i mean they try to weaken their their currencies and especially so a typical example would be emerging markets right so right. they are basically just in the business of many of them of devaluing their currencies in order to get a competitive edge. Sure. Um, and, you know, oftentimes if you have a weak economy, maybe it's structurally poor for various reasons, um, then, you know, you try to get an, an edge by, uh, you know, devaluing your, your currency. Right. Um, and so typically all else equal, if you have a weak economy and you're trying to stimulate it, you, you want to benefit from that weakening of your, your currency because effectively it's, it starts a cycle that, allows things to self-correct effectively, sure. right? right? Um, in Europe, 
they don't really have the luxury to do that. They don't have it at all because of um, the euro. It, because of the euro. So it, in a way, the um, the monetary so the monetary policy of uh, Greece is tied to yep. that of Germany. Right now, Greece and Germany are two very different economies, two very different countries, very different profiles, but yet they are glued together yes. uh, as far as uh, you know their their currency. And, and it's one of the many challenges that the EU is facing. Uh, they've obviously done a lot of good things and there's mobility of labor, mobility of goods. Right. And all of that helps that cohesion. Right. Um, but you know, it's not it's not perfect. Yeah, it's it's the idea of and is a simple analogy, but the idea of if you've ever tried to order pizza with eight people in the room. Yeah. Right. OK, that simple idea creates problems. And yes. so the idea of trying to say, let's take multiple countries that have multiple profiles, mm -hmm. economic goals, economic uh, yeah. you know, structures, and let's require them to all use the same yeah. currency, therefore tie them together in a way. Mm -hmm. So if you go back to 0809, there were a lot of very, very smart people that, that, that thought if Greece still had its own individual currency, yeah. right? Then they could have what? I mean, they could have, they could have more or less. They could have devalued it. Exactly. They could right? have inflated away some of their yes. debt. They could have tried to, uh, you know, uh, revive their, uh, manufacturing base by making their exports more competitive. Right. Uh, that option does not really exist. Right. Similar to what Japan did, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. in, in the 80s, right? The Japan kind of... Sure, after they went through a big crisis. Right. Uh, yeah. And so they, they kind of used this, as you, as you said, they knew that the, the end result of it would, would be a self-correcting, um, you, know, uh, you know, outcome. However, yeah. very painful to get to that point, but... but sure potentially necessary right mm -hmm. and greece didn't have that option italy didn't have that yeah. option spain didn't have that option yeah at that time because they, you know that then the effect of that would have the same result in germany and yeah. in the northern countries exactly exactly so there's there are there's talk that we may see the euro go away at some point well i mean I think so much has been invested in, in, in creating the Eurozone and making that a, a relative success um, that I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Right. But there will be pockets of, um, you know, challenges in different countries where you're starting to see uh, on the political front, yep. you're starting to see, you know, very nationalist uh, candidates that have a platform that is anti-EU. Yep. And this um, is what we saw in the UK, correct? Ex exactly. So you can right. see, and the, the UK never had the euro, so they, they didn't have that issue. But if you had similar type of political momentum right. in a country that actually has the euro, right. you could very well see that morph into a kind of not just anti-European um, uh, in, certain, in the sense of being anti-EU, but being anti the euro. Right. Um, and, you know, oh, we want to revert to our, you know, currency from the 90s because you know life was so much better in the 90s so right. if we just go back to that currency then life would be good again right uh, i think those discussions are happening uh in one form or another all around europe um you know i think we're not quite at the stage where you know they're going to happen like very soon right but who knows like five years from now and you know part of the strength of the dollar is again the weakness of the euro right um so if the euro continues to depreciate and, and, and you know, if there's uh, political challenges in, in 
different countries around Europe, I think you could see that anti-Euro ideology uh, really gain a lot of momentum. Yeah, because in that example, it's almost like a teeter-totter, right? The, uh, you know, the person on the left side, the, the further they go down, that means the higher the person on the on the, on the other side goes up, right? Yeah. Even if they don't want to, sure. right? So if the, if the euro continues to devalue, that does nothing but push the the, the strength of the dollar higher. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think the 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 interesting times that we're in right now, um, and I think the listeners have heard us talk about the fixed income market, the bond market before. Mm-hmm. You and I have had conversations about this. Um, I think that all of these are just uh, characteristics of a very, very unique year. You know, that is 2022. Yeah. Right. I, th- I think this the start of this year has has put things in front of us uh, as, as money managers and as investors, uh, as our clients are, that we, it's, we can't say we've never seen before, but wow, it's been a long time. Yeah. And so. yeah, it is. It's been a, a bit of a crazy year, and and the dollar strength is part of that that overall picture. And I mean, what's really interesting is, I mean, you think okay, the U.S. economy is facing challenges. Um, you know, r- rates are going up. There's there's inflation. Uh, now people are talking about recession. You know, the dollar should weaken, but it doesn't. Right, the that should be the happens. result. Right, the dollar strengthens. Right, and. What you tend to find is that the more uncertainty there is, the more chaos there is. Right. Actually, the, that tends to benefit the dollar. And the reason for that, again, goes back to the really special role of the dollar in the global economy. And the, and the thought that it's, quote, safe or safer, yeah, right? It is I mean, safe it and it is. And, and it, even stability, on, maybe not safe. It, it, there's a stability to and it. And I would go even beyond that in the sense that it, is that people need to get their hands on it. So, I right. mean, it's it's a very practical thing. It's not just, oh, you know, there's chaos, I feel safer getting the getting dollars in my account. Is that there's trillions of dollars worth of dollar denominated debt issued right. outside the US. All of that debt has to be serviced. Right. Interests have to be paid. There's trillions of dollars of commodities trades settled in dollars every day all around the world. And you need to come up with dollars to do that. And so once when trade flows are strong and you know there's there's profits are strong, there's and plenty liquidity of liquidity is strong. And liquidity is strong. Right. There's plenty of dollars to go around. Right. But when things get tough, suddenly there's a shortage of dollars. Yeah in overseas markets in particular, because it's very easy for central bank, for the, the, the Federal Reserve to push dollars into the US financial system. As they've done over the last five years. They've done a lot of that. to an unprecedented level. Incredible levels. Right. And they basically put capital back on banks' balance sheets and, yeah. they, and they recapitalize the banks and they, they build up bank reserves. And they, are, they can do that very, very easily. But it's much harder for them to push dollars into every corner of the global economy. Actually, sure. there's very few mechanisms for them to, to, to do that. And so what tends to happen when there's a lot of uncertainty in the, in the global economy is you see this scramble for dollars, in particular in overseas markets. And, and there is literally a shortage of U.S. dollars, as amazing as it sounds, despite the fact that our monetary base is larger than it's ever been. Um, what you tend to find is there's there's actually a shortage of, of 
dollar globally. It's, it's as if you could not print enough right. dollars right. Uh, to go around. It's, it's pretty incredible. But Thus strengthening the dollar. Yeah. And, so, and, that, and, and all of that contributes to the dollar being stronger as chaos, so to speak, yeah. is, is increasing. Right. So even though the U.S. economy and the U.S. as a country faces a lot of challenges, the dollar keeps getting stronger. And I think it's a good thing in many ways. And as we said, it increases our, our, our uh, global purchasing power. And in many ways, it almost allows us to live beyond our means right. uh, in, 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 in many ways. Uh, it allows us to borrow uh, almost endlessly as well. Um, all of that is good. But it's also a challenge, I think, long term, because again, it makes our exports um, unattractive, and so it, it's it doesn't allow this self-correcting sure. mechanism that I mentioned earlier, which would normally involve a country having a very poor trade balance, seeing their currency weaker, which would then lead to economic stimulation, stronger yep. manufacturing base higher exports and kind of the, 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 the cycle correcting itself. Right. Uh, in the US, it works almost in reverse. It is, you know, because we are the world's reserve currency, we almost need to run a, a big trade deficit. Sure. Um, and, and it doesn't correct. It actually is kind of just <laughs> getting worse all the time. Which in, in, in a way, and we'll, we'll end on this, I think is, is the reason why, or, or is, is more evidence why uh, the Fed has some challenges right now. Uh, and the f to trying to figure out what to do and mm -hmm. understanding that even though they have, you know, you know, whatever, a dozen different buttons in front of them that sure. they can push, you know, there, there's, there's trepidation by pushing the wrong one or the wrong combination of buttons at the wrong time. And all of a sudden, oh boy, you know, this went left and we thought it was going to go right. And now we have a problem. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I hope people got something on it. I know it, it, it's a it's a heavy topic, but we thought it was an important one simply because of what's going on right now. Um, we would love to hear uh, your comments on it. If you if you listen to the podcast and you have thoughts on it, feel free to email us or or send us a message. Uh, and if you'd like to hear more about uh, this type of topic, let us know, and we'll be happy to do it as well. So, thanks so much for your time, and we'll look forward to seeing you in another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Cotton Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.